Welcome everyone once again to Goosebuds. We are back with a special episode. Last episode, pretty special. This episode, the most special. Double special. The most special. Because, let's be honest, they're probably not going to make another Goosebumps movie in a while. Next year. Next Dude. year coming out. They set it up. They're ready for it. It's happening. They did a Goosebumps movie this weekend, or this past week. We all saw it. We did. Some of yeah. us with children. Wait, what? what? I, I took two children to see it, so... Paul, did you take your kids we don't know about? Yeah, I took my, my illegitimate child's. <laughs> Wait. Pal and all? Uh-huh. <laughs> They're just weird spellings of your name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my son's pal and all. <laughs> the name has to continue. Wait, wait who are these kids you took? I, we took our, our niece and nephew, actually. Oh, that's great. Yeah, okay. the, the niece is 17. She fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> okay, seventeen-year-olds. Oh, they it was a seventeen-year-old just... move. It's totally cool. I, that's totally cool. <laughs> oh, they they wake up a lot of times during the night, and you have to get up and feed them. Those seventeen-year-olds uh-huh. have really difficult sleep schedules. Yeah, I she understand. had a good time. She enjoyed it though, but she she slept a little bit. Okay, so you got to see a East Coast family screening. Dom and I got to see a West Coast. Uh, how would you describe it, Dom? Uh, a um. A, a a partially filled theater theater. Yes. No, not even a, a more a, more a part a mostly empty theater. Mostly really? empty theater filled with uh, weird vagabonds and uh, mostly stone people. I would say that sounds like about the most LA crowd you could have pulled in there. Am I wrong? Am I wrong, Dom? I feel like there were some some people a little. I think I think there were some people who were stoned. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to say, it was at the Americana, and I got to say, I like the Americana. Oh, it's a great That's theater. It. Yeah, you can get some Wetzel's pretzels, and then just Wait, go see uh, a movie to your heart's content. You guys, I feel like L.A. has this, like, theater culture, this movie theater culture, because you guys are, like, you know, Hollywood and all that stuff. That's your, like, like S&M level, like, <laughs> way, way fetish what? stuff going on there. Because that, like, Wetzel's pretzel, like, what the fuck is that? We have, like... It's just Annie Ann. Is it? I don't know, man. We have like, Dom, you're from you're from this area. Like, you have the generic food at a at a theater here. You know what I mean? Like, it's just whatever they do at every other theater throughout the rest of the United States that is in L.A. That's what you have at a movie well, theater. Well, you can you can now get at the Americana. You can get um, uh, what are those uh, sensu beans? What you get sensu beans? <laughs> yeah, the Goku sensu beans. You can get sensu uh. beans. No, what, what, uh, edamame. You can get edamame oh, yeah. salt. <laughs> what? Yeah. I could be healthy at the movie theater? Oh, yeah. No, Paul, let me explain this to you, because when you come out to Los Angeles at some point, we'll show you. The Americana is uh-huh. a sister mall to another place called The Grove, which are two shining beacons of rich people in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Now, I'm sure they exist in other cities, but in the middle of Los Angeles, you'll have your standard stereotypical Hollywood shots, just kind of like... You know, mom and pop burrito places, uh, you know, American apparel whatsoever. And then there's just these like weird isolated bubble malls that if I had to describe them, tell me if you would correct me on any part of this, Dom. They're kind of like um, the Citadel from Mass Effect or the, the space station from uh, Elysium. Where it's so there's just, zig- like there's ziggurats, you're saying. Yeah, they're just like everything's Basically. really nice and like manicured fake grass lawns and there's giant golden stat. It's really just like Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, it's, a uh, it's what we're all going to live in in, like, 50 years when the world's destroyed. 
Yeah, yeah, and you're just aware that you're just surrounded by chaos and war uh-huh. around you <laughs> yeah. in Los Angeles. And you can just park in there and feel really calm and cool and just go in to see a nice movie. Ah, it's, ri- it's rich the best. privilege. Ah, it's so good. <laughs> if, if you, uh, a note to potential L.A. tourists, if you do go to L.A., you definitely should see a movie, if not at, like, the Arclight or, like, one of the big Pacific theaters where the sound is awesome and, like, the picture quality is real nice. Um, you should go to one of the independent theaters because, like, that's the best time is going to see an older movie. So, Oh, for sure. Or, like, the Vista is this awesome little, like, one-screen theater that always shows the most current film. It's really great. There's a lot of, like, artistic, like, historical ones. Yeah, It I'm makes sure. going a lot of fun. Is Vista the one that's uh, with all the um, Egyptian uh, stuff? Yeah, it's, like, half Egyptian, half mermaids. I'm very confused by it, but it's, it's real great. But it's 100% haunted. <laughs> for <laughs> sure. Uh, real quick Vista story, by the way is I embarrassed myself real bad in that the Vista's a wonderful place, right? Really, really nice. First time I showed there, you had to line up. You actually can't like get your tickets ahead of time. And there is a poster for all the three movies they're showing in the next couple coming weeks, right? And one of them looked to be a ripoff poster of like one of those kind of like meet the Spartans, meet the, you know, date movie yeah, type yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All starring one guy. Like, okay. it was just one kind of uh, somewhat Spanish-looking guy in his late 40s just playing a bunch of different pop culture characters. Like, he's Jack Sparrow, and he's Iron Man. I was like, and I just out loud couldn't be like, what the, what is this shit? What is this stupid thing? And then I realized it was actually a fun poster made by the manager of the theater. Oh, who no. Had, who was just right next to me, like, welcoming kids into the theater. I thought it had been some, like, really terrible comedy parody, but instead he just been like, I love film. I made a fun poster for my theater. Isn't this he, cool? And I just dumped all over it. I felt so bad. He ran up the stairs crying. <laughs> I felt so, so bad. <gasps> so he, he, yeah, he, he tucked it under his arm and ran away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, there's many great places. We went to a pretty standard one and had a... Do we want to say our our initial impressions? How do we uh, attack sure. this? I think I think so. I think I, I can I start with talking about something I liked. I think we can all say that we had a pretty good time. Mm-hmm. I had a great I had a great time. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this will enhance anyone else's experience of Goosebumps. Probably only going to be mine. But anytime a twist or spooky thing happened, Dom looked over at me and then lowered his eyes and his glasses as if to be like. That's right. R.L. Stein did that just then. Completely <laughs> destroyed. Oh, me. yeah. Uh, well, there was a few times I had to give you a, 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 a concerned man with glasses <laughs> yeah. look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to say, throughout the film, I was, uh, was finding things very amusing uh, that were not supposed to be. Likewise. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, I think overall, it's a pretty fun time. Like They, yeah, they, wanna... they have a lot of monsters. It's mm-hmm. like a great Halloween movie, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's pretty solid. doesn't even feel like a Halloween film somehow. I don't know why. It was... Well, it doesn't take place with the holiday at all. It's just something that happens to occur. And I don't even think we get a real time of year in this film, do we? Other no. than during school. I guess it's not summer. Yeah. Yeah, it's like fall. Well, I mean, well no, you know what? It's, I guess it's spring because they're having like a, like a formal dance. So it's ah. got either, Or it could have been homecoming. They might have said it was Very homecoming. Astute. I can't That remember. homecoming that is barely mentioned... Other than just a quick setup of, hey, did you know Chump's coming over because we have a dance tonight? Very convenient. Very, mm-hmm. very convenient. Very, very You know, things work out because it's a movie. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, but I think it was... with this... With... Oh. Go ahead, Paul. No, go, go on, Dom. 
I was just going to say, uh, what this really says is that at any time of the year, the goosebumps can come and get you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you never it doesn't know. matter. It's not that's restricted the, That's the October. truly scary part. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, I want to bring up, if I may, a few. Let's, let's, let's explain the general concept, in case you haven't sent, seen it. Is It's a pretty great way to tackle the idea of goosebumps in general, which is you might be 14 and have no idea who Arl Stein is and what this book series is. It might just be spooky books that were made up for you, right? Yes. Well, a good point that Dom made when we were talking about it really briefly last night was that they do lay out what the books are for you real quick with, with Chomp Champ. And uh, they, as Dom said, they put goosebumps over hard right there. Because yeah. those are books oh, yeah. that keep you up at night. Oh, yeah, there's a scary. line where it's like, Oh my God! This is R. L. Stein. These are goosebumps. These are these are the best books in the world. Like one little thing of like we all know what goosebumps are. Maybe the way we should look at this film, instead of using you know the three act structure or anything, Roger Deeper would say is let's apply our goosebumps books filter to this. Right? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, main characters, likable or the worst? Uh. Um, Zach is the main character's name, right? I would not. You could have said literally yes. any name, and I would have believed in- you. In perfect, like Goosebumps fashion, I think I think this whole movie lives up to and and has the exact same problems. Maybe purposely so. I don't know. Probably not. Of a Goosebumps <laughs> of a Goosebumps book, it has a completely like empty main character, like interchangeable main character. Just kid from kid from the city who's kind of smart, you know. Uh, also has a missing dad thing, which is the most generic thing that doesn't go anywhere in the film. Yeah. Uh, when that happened, when <laughs> no, no, it does, right, it does, no, laughed. it does go somewhere in the film. They wrap it up. All right, it should be up. true. There's one scene where just as the school's being attacked by monsters, like by the way, I also have I also have issues with being alone. So there's a little no, bit no, no, no. He he when he lets go of the girl, he's not letting go of the what's the girl's name? I don't remember the girl's oh name. Oh my! He's letting God. go of his dad. He's that's he's get he's getting he's giving letting that go. Paul, you're either giving it too much credit or absolutely nailing it. I can no, that's tell you. that's what it is. No, yes, I mean, he's letting. <laughs> yes, when he when 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 R. L. Stein says let go, he's not telling him to let go of his new girlfriend. He's saying let go of like what you've been holding in about your dad. Your dad's dead. You can't. He was watching the tape at the beginning. He's like kind of like when his dad comes up, he kind of like goes back and like holds on to like his memories of him. I'm, that's what it's there for. It totally yeah, is. Yeah, but he never goes home and like picks up the baseball that says <laughs> to son from dad and like throws it out the window or something. <laughs> no, but they don't need to do that at the end of it. It's, well, he lets I mean, go. It, it, he's telling him to let go, but I mean, the, the that's whole what dad is. issue, I mean... I can see I it. I can really see what you're saying. You're giving the film a, a bit of credit. <laughs> but no, if you want to interpret that, it's a great interpretation. It's missing a little bit. Now, if I may... No, it they could have film... hit it harder. They could have hit it harder, but that's what it was. That's something this well, whole I... film is having a problem with. Dom, go ahead. I just wanted to say that about the, the, that, that scene that happens in the <laughs> kitchen. It's, it's jokey joke town, and then all of a sudden, like I felt like it was... I don't remember how it was revealed. I feel like it slid across the table just into into like a shot of the table. It just like slid in, and it was just like immediate sad music. And mm-hmm. I had to put my fingers in my nose <laughs> <laughs> to stop myself from laughing so hard. Yeah, the, was about, we were both cracking up at the worst time of that film. The comedy because so like the rest of the the rest of the theater like 
it hit them. They were like, oh, no, it's sad. Because it is sad. That's a very sad thing. But the way that they did it, the hard left turn that the soundtrack and mood of the entire film just was like, boom, now you're going to feel feeling. Boom, now we're back to the action. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so the comedy throughout, which I actually thought at times was very good. Um, There were some really good gags that that made me laugh actually a lot. Um, Jack Black is pretty funny in this movie. Jack Black's pretty pretty funny, funny, restrained because he had to be. And there were moments where I was like, just go, man. Just go. You got it. I know you got another line in you. You're waiting. There's Mm -hmm. an ad lib right there that's funnier. But Definitely. But... um, but uh, the the comedy's pretty scattershot, and it, the tone of the film kind of doesn't know what, what it wants to be. I think at times, you know, there was like there was a lot of ham-fisted, obviously like melodrama in there, like the the kissing, like or almost kissing scene in the cemetery and shit like that. Okay, but yeah, but 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 I think the score did a fucking like tremendous job. Oh, I, I, oh. okay, okay. It it may have shifted ninety degrees there, but I think out of complete necessity for how the the, the movie was put together. But I think this the score, even when the jokes didn't land, the score was there to hit you and be like, smile now. You're happy oh, now. Oh, my God. Totally, I'm totally in, in agreeing with you. And I might be biased yeah. because, as I mentioned, I think, before in one of the other episodes, I and friend of the show, Aaron Walke, got to see an early cut of this film like a month and a half ago. But it was an unfinished cut. It was like 98% there except for most of the music and a little bit of like sound effects and that sort of stuff. Right. So a lot of those jokes... It's fascinating to see. I'm sure it's for most films. I've seen a few other ones. Like when like Arl Steins has a joke in a weird voice and he kind of does that little tone. It just hangs there for like six seconds of silence. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a lot of just hang time. And it's all because uh, this movie, I think, is an amazing example of how backing music and little sound cues can sell and carry a ton of it. Like it was, Jack Black's it was pretty constant. good. That's half of that is sound engineering and like the composer just fucking rocking. The first it. the first fifteen minutes of this movie are are pretty slow, um, especially mm-hmm. for a kids movie. But the score is constant and it's it's whimsical and it like adds this like this ambiance to the entire thing that I really think like just just like gets you to the point where you need, gets you to that first monster like really well. Right. Right. Uh, I would I would say the only time that the soundtrack really popped out at me as being a little too much was when they're walking to her they like walk all night through the woods to mm-hmm. get to her little fairground. Uh-huh, yeah, the fairground. Uh-huh. Uh which uh uh you know, that's another thing. But um <laughs> well, the, we got we got to talk about the locations. Oh, well, 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 the walking there, it's like, it's like, you're watching a movie. And it's like, it's so, but they're just taking yeah. a walk. Like they're, they're slowly walking around a corner. Right. And it was like so much. I was like, oh my God, please like dial it back just a second. I think but that other was. Other than that, like yeah. the soundtrack was fine. This is and, kind of. Supplied by Danny Elfman, I believe. Yeah. scored this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is kind of the Lord of the Rings of teenage monster movies and that there's a lot of walking. There's a lot of, we got to get to uh-huh. this place, to this place, <laughs> yeah. to this place. And there's going to be brief encounters on our way there. Well, the best part was that everything that happened happened at a really cool interesting place you know like the first monster escapes and where does he go he goes to the ice rink because that's going to be a great location you know like it's almost every- as if it was yeah. a video game we're like are we, we gotta get to the ice rink level we gotta get it there literally literally takes you from set piece to literal set piece each time you know like oh for sure for sure it was uh, it was ridiculous uh, I think it's necessity for a film that's supposed to take place in a neighborhood in school, though. Like that's like let's see those public areas, right? So, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I mean, like that that little detail. No, and it was it was good because the 
the set pieces were nice. Like, it actually, like, they had visually interesting areas to go to each time. You know, if they just stuck around in the woods and stuff like that, you'd get bored after a while, you know? These were, like, some nice, like, you know, set pieces. It was, it was yeah. good, but it was I, funny. Like, if you're watching it from, like, the meta view, you're like, okay, I get it. It's, you know? it's all normal school locations except for wacky, weird carnival that just happened to be built <laughs> right. up. Which was <laughs> right. not Horrorland. That which was not reason, Horrorland. Yeah, which was not oh. Horrorland. That's still hooked up to the power grid for some reason. Oh yeah. uh, well, they ran out of money. They ran out of money, Paul. But they and then powered. she turned on a switch to turn on all the power. Yeah. <laughs> so you're following this movie. We have generic video game default model boy. Uh, that's his kind of whole look. Is that'd be the character creation screen and just be him. Moves in, new in town. Neighbor is Arl Stein. Kind of weird. Uh, has a cute daughter that these two are just instantly hitting off. The boy and girl, without knowing anything about each other, just sparks flying. Boys and teenage romance, simple and easy, right? Absolutely. Uh, uh-huh. Immediately goes into a homicide plot, which is a weird direction. Wait, what? Oh, well, yeah, because of the, yeah, uh-huh, yep. Like, I, I mean, I guess I was it's like, sp- uh, yeah, it's weird because... You're right, and it starts off like a typical Goosemost book. The first scare is the is the blinds closing and opening, and they're very like harmless, but very like small scare, you know. Uh, but then, it, yeah, it goes into that, and you see something happen in a window, and it's never explained what happened That's in never that window. Explained. Never explained whatsoever. Oh yeah, and there's, like, I think there was Dom some grabbing both... and throwing going on. Yeah, yeah. What was that about? I think Dom and I both looked at you like it's kind of weird. This is a whole like, did he murder his daughter plot right now? Yeah, even though it's a misdirect. Yo, yeah, dude. it's suddenly some kind of rear window kind of <laughs> right. plot. Right? Hey, just like the dead dad letting go thing. Here's what this movie's really about. He killed that first daughter, and then he wrote a second <laughs> oh. one. Oh, okay. Whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. So you want to get into it? I am excited to talk about this. Let's get into let's it. Let's do it. Let's, let's so, dig in. Break it down to it. I don't know how fast you guys figured it out. Thanks to our Goosebumps training, I immediately called the twist. From that Jen, moment, Jen the homicide. It. Yeah? Yeah, I was you like, knew oh, it? that girl. That girl's a Goosebump. I just immediately wow. called it out loud from the first screening. Uh, wow, I never, so th- I never, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming until clues. it happened. There's a few clues. And the fact that, like, as soon as he's lying, because basically, you know, the teenager calls the cops. Yeah. And they come over, and he's like, there was a murder here. And he's like, I don't have a daughter. As soon as he went to that... And didn't bring her down as like, oh, he can't report about his daughter to the cops because she's not real and it would be Wait, weird to report. Did he say I don't have a daughter? Yeah, that's what's so weird about it. He's like, or like my daughter was here. He like first says I don't have a daughter, and then like he's like, but I saw someone. He's like, oh well, she's in for the the week or whatever. I was like, with okay, her mom, weird, right? Right. Yeah, it's like, that's a weird detail to lie about that seems intentionally. And then a lo- every key line from Arl Stein is like, we're a strange family or like something like that. That's all kind of a clue. Right. They, they at least set it up yeah. a little bit more than a normal Goosebump book. Right. But, so that is the main reveal of the story, is that while they're fighting all the bad monsters, uh, you find out that the main girl, several times there's a reveal of, do you get it, that she's not real? I think she's one of the ghosts from the first book. That's my guess. Wait, she's one of the, oh, from the like House of the Dead? Uh, I, I mean, she might be inspired by because... No, no, no. You know what she's from, what? right? I, I'll tell you. She's from Ghost Next Door. Oh. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh well, I th- didn't. That's got to be my guess. Well, because didn't the ghosts from Welcome to Dead House also like show up in the moonlight? Wasn't that also their thing? Um, that may have been a thing. Uh, listeners will will know if they go back and listen. To that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's probably both, right? It's not. It's never said for sure. There's a few things they seem to be just like they never declare which book some of these things are. But but whatever it is, she's a benevolent goosebump. 
that he has made his surrogate daughter. Right. So at the end of the book, it's his. The, it's his the, Anna Karenina. That's what it is. I mean, yes, it's very perfect. Smart, very, uh-huh. very smart. Very very smart. Is the ends with the the masterstroke of like, well, I've written this entire new book that'll trap all of the escaped monsters, including the one, including my daughter. Which is dumb because he could have just not written the sentence, all the monsters except my daughter, and there would have been any problem, right? So that's right. that's the dilemma at the end of the film. Is right. I open up the book, capture everyone, you're going to go his way as well. And also, maybe it's a metaphor for your dead dad. I still don't know about that, Paul. But it is totally... Uh, what is totally... the name of the girl, by the way? <laughs> Zoe? Zoe? Is it that Zoe? safe. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Keep <laughs> no, it's going. good. To, I, I literally cannot tell you any of the characters' names except for Champ. Champ is great. Every joke, every joke about him is about his name. Yeah. I'm hit or miss on Champ. I do not know. Hey, hey, I, okay. Champ had some real cornball jokes. The The... The um, business card, good joke. Good little business joke. Business card, yeah, so a few good jokes. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty smart. Uh, no, sorry, her name is Hannah, played by... Hannah. Uh, her name is Hannah, and that's that's the name of the ghost next okay, door. Okay, that's oh, very, very shit, smart. Good very job, smart, you dumb. So this is the big end of the movie, is uh, Hannah goes into the book along with everyone else, and it's very sad. Uh, main character has to let go of his new girlfriend... Very, I think it's more sad that he's like, but I was going to kiss you and make out with you because we kept trying to make out this whole movie. Uh-huh. You had to go into the book portal. That's the end of the end of the movie. Cut to everyone is uh, back okay. The whole town's just gotten past that everyone was attacked by monsters. Uh-huh. Like Everyone's cool with R.L. Stein. Yeah, everyone's the bully, cool with the, magic. The bully that got picked up by the giant mantis gives you the smile, flashes your teeth. <laughs> you know he's all right. You know, everyone's, he's gonna be okay. Everyone's he's gonna be okay. Everyone's a okay. Uh-huh. And you're kind of sad because Hannah's gone. Theoretically, yeah, she's still trapped in the book. Then R.L. Stein goes, "Hey, Zach, or whatever your name is, <laughs> it's, uh, hey, I got a surprise for you. I wrote another book." And then Hannah shows up in the hallway, just like light behind her, just looking as adorable and sexually allowed to be attractive as she is at that age. Uh huh. Right there for Zach. And they're like, I wrote another one. And they hold hands and walk off to a imply just hump. Like, whatever they're uh-huh. going to do yep. is not going to be wholesome. R.L. Stein wrote another girl. Right? It's not the same girl. Well, this is getting into some deep philosophical questions. This is what I think you were saying is, girl number one was sucked into the book. And we're made to think like, oh, she's out of the book now because we wrote another one. You're saying the first girl's murdered, which is an amazing theory. Yep. What I'm saying is at least... One girl is still <laughs> the girl we grew to love in the movie. Right, is still trapped in nightmare book with Slappy and zombies and everything in an eternal hell. Yeah, whatever that is, it's hell. She's another. She's, yeah, she's another like AI that he wrote. Yes, totally. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, 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 Ex Machina. There's just another yeah. version. Yeah. Spoiler: There's girls are v- robots. It's like but that. Like, it's like that black that Black Mirror episode with Dom Hall Gleason, where he's the, the other <laughs> version of him. Yeah, yeah. That's the darkest thing ever to realize. Oh no, she's still trapped in there. You don't know anything about this, Hannah. Also, it's weird that Arlstein wrote like, what did he write about her to make her like the girlfriend daughter? Yeah. Right in that book, did he write uh, questions? Is she going to age? No, she it, doesn't. It, so she's not going to age, which means uh, Zach and Hannah fall in love, I guess. She's a book assume. vampire, basically. Right. And le- but that also means, does that mean Arl Stein? Like, not to get crew, but did he write, is she, like, a real person? Did he write, like, all of her? And well, can I, she have a kid? I think like, they talked she... about this in our subreddit, actually. Someone brought this up, that th- there's some weird sexual implications here. 
Some right? very strange sexual. Yes. Okay, so Big Cat 14 on the subreddit brought that exact thing up. So he, this is what he said. Can we all talk about how in this movie RL created Hannah? Uh, if he made her, then she should be what RL thinks a teenage girl would be like, which means she should probably be douchey and all that stuff that we've talked about. Um, but the really big one is that Mr. Stein used his powers to create a teenage girl to live secluded with him in his house. Based on the possible sexual undertones in the Goosebumps books, <laughs> the Goosebumps have covered so far, I don't like the sound of that. So there's like a... I don't, I don't think there's any sort of implied, uh, like, gray... Uh, what's the, the 50, 50 Shades of Grey? I don't think there's no, anything going no, on here No, but with it's that. still a little questionable. Also, just even if he... Let's, let's assume he just wrote the girl next... The ghost next door, and, you know, she turned out to be okay, and he decided to keep her and let her live. It's still weird that, like, a thing you wrote, which is still spiritually your offspring, uh-huh. you're, like, helping create them to mostly just be with some dude that you, like, know for a couple days. Like, right. you, I know Zach helped you fight the monsters, but I don't know. Like, he could be a super messed up dude. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, feels, it feels really weird. I guess and she's, she's immortal. Gonna, and she's immortal, so she's going to have to live with whatever, like, weird shit that happens between them <laughs> yeah. for the rest of forever. Well, yeah, because they really, he really sets it up to be like, and there they go, off to be together forever at the ripe age of 16 or <laughs> yep. 17, whatever yep. they are. Right. It's like they'll never, ever get bored. Right, yep. especially as, as he starts to age and she doesn't. I mean, they might make it work for a little while, but there, there's it, the whole movie has some pretty like low-level thoughts towards like what love is. Uh, I'm sure there's, pl- like, you know, I'm sure there's some drafts of this film where things were handled a little bit better, and maybe the champ and the hot girl thing did just feel super lame and cliche, uh, of like, oh, the hot girl, you saved me, I'm gonna make out with you now, or, or well, whatever. The, like, yeah, the ending's super stupid because despite all of these awesome philosophical things that it's brought up, the, we're, we're dealing with two ma- main characters in I, who we assume is Zach, uh, <laughs> I think that's his name, and R.L. <laughs> Stein. Uh, who were presented as very smart people. Like Zach is specifically, like, he's very referential to, like, a lot of, like, he's, he gives that sick Detroit burn at the beginning. He knows what's going on in the world. He's so, a little snappy. They made him at least a little snappy. He's, yeah, he's pretty a, generic, but he's at least got a few burns. He's got a couple, you know, he does, he does, he's got his burns. So he's supposed to be a smart guy. Both of them figured out the plan for how they're going to fix this thing, but neither of them figured out, like, hey, just rewrite the girl again. Just rewrite, just do that book yeah. again, and just I'll have the don't girl. Put in, just don't put in the sentence, all the monsters but Hannah, yeah. and you would be right. fine. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's funny because he had to go out of his way to be like, and Hannah was there, and she got sucked <laughs> in too. Oh, Ex- my God, my daughter. And exactly. <laughs> don't, no, exactly, because if we go to the end of the movie, the invisible boy was forgotten about, and, and he made it out of the book. So we already see that there was a way to not have it. It's just it writes itself into its own little. Corner. Yeah, you're right. Ah. Either he said all, either he wrote all the monsters, even though we saw him writing monsters. He was listing them. He specifically he listed them at one point. Yeah. So either it's weird that he thinks of his daughter and mentions to list her and not the Invisible Boy. Right. Right. Uh, we're talking about monsters. We're skipping over the main thing: the monsters of this movie. Uh huh. Um. Gotta be honest. Kind of disappointing. Really. I, I here's here's how I feel about it. There's some iconic Goosebump books, and obviously a lot of Goosebump books are just kind of playing off of like aliens or werewolves or whatever. But in terms of iconic Goosebump stories, they chose to focus on I guess the plants from Stay Out of the Basement. We're just assuming right. those were them. So somewhat iconic, but just plants. A werewolf 
and uh, zombies. Very generic. Like, I know that werewolf's from something because he has gym shorts. That's clearly like the werewolf of... He's he's the werewolf of Fever Swamp. Fever and Swamp. the design of him is actually pretty neat, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of I, I kinda like the little details they gave him. Yeah. Though. Yeah, werewolf, Fever Swamp, few nice details. I guess the mantis from Shocker and Silk Street is in there, which is, if I remember right, we haven't read the book in a while. I don't think that's factually accurate into what's the monster of Silk, Shocker on Silk Street is. I think it's a robot. Shocker on Shock Street. Shocker on so- Shock Street. Sorry. Silk Street is uh, either a rapper or uh, a hip-hop group. I forget what that is. It's about to be my R&D name. <laughs> yeah, Silk, Silk Street. Street. Silk Street, baby. Main road on, on Silk Road. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I guess I got a few of the iconic ones, but I felt like they were missing some monster blood. I feel like we were missing some haunted mask. Definitely uh, missing monster blood, without a and, doubt. And the worst part all, I mean, this whole movie is a great setup to do a Cabin in the Woods, which, by the way, if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, spectacular film. I think we all like it. Yes. That's, I mean, that's, uh, what, that's basically what this movie is. Yeah, it's, it's a way to have a bunch of monsters come out at once, and they held back on the other ones. They'd always show a wide crowd shot, and it was always the werewolf and the snowman uh-huh. and the swamp the thing was there. Front. Swamp thing. Where, where yeah, it was like one was shot. Like. I wanted to see more of it though. I mean, there's yeah. just like there's a few. Uh, sh- there tiny was shots. angry yelling scientist. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah, angry yelling scientist. At one point, they're in that like while the whole school is rallying together to stop the monsters, you can see like a clown reaching into the window trying to get in there. Yep. There's like the dopest monster I've ever seen, like with a giant mouth. Just kind of hanging back there, and probably budgetary wise, all they had was the mouth, and they had to just kind of like move it in the background and hide it behind. I think we both said yeah. there's like some. It could feel like there's some budgetary sh- cutbacks they had to do a little bit. Yeah, there right? was some. Uh, there was the some... generic clown that keeps pressing up against that door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of that clown. Well, I like that they. I did like that they had some practical monsters with, say, Slappy. Slappy was oh, cool that sure. he was, but because of the practical, like it was cool that they did impractical. Uh, but it was funny. It was like inadvertently funny when in his first scene he moves around the room three times via lightning. Oh, I loved that. That's that my was favorite part. Fucking hilarious. And I, I, maybe it was intentionally funny, but I didn't feel like it really was because he just like would lightning himself to a new spot, and I was uh-huh. I was cracking up at that. Yeah, no, it was great. It, uh, it really showed how magical and powerful Slappy is, and how he uses none of it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. He has he the ability to instantly out. teleport, and he just decides to get into an, a mean ass car. Oh yeah, uh, the that, haunted that car. That being said, that being said, couldn't R.L. Stein just write a book about the cure for cancer? <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! You're right. Like that that typewriter is so powerful. Like yeah. the movie should be called Typewriter of the Gods. <laughs> okay, if you want to get into God's it, typewriter. Yeah. Oh well. First off, is it R.L. Stein or is it the typewriter? Because the rules of how to fix things jump randomly. First, it's R.L. Stein needs to write the stories. Right. Right. He needs to write the book. None of us can write the books. He has to write the book. Then, oh, I would write the story, but I need my typewriter. Uh, okay, okay, so we just need your typewriter. Is the typewriter what it is, or do you just need to have your typewriter for the mojo to work? Well, the the Invisible Boy's using it at the end. Invisible Boy's using it, and also Zach uses Zach it at the end without Arl Stein. So it seems like the typewriter's just magic, and no one noticed it. Right. Well, also, every time they move, he donates it to a new school. <laughs> right. Like, why is that a thing that he does? Yeah, every, right. every time they move, someone builds him an, a monument for how awesome he is as R.L. Stein. Is what you're yeah, saying. Also, yeah, also, but he also lives not as R.L. Stein. I think they established in the very beginning something with Shivers the girl from Workaholics. Right? Like, yeah, Mr. Shivers or whatever, which is a name from Goosebumps. I can't remember what, if that's like one of the skeletons or something. 
But like, yeah. so he's using aliases, but still donating things in town as R.L. Stein. Right. I think, unless he donated as Mr. Shivers, that we missed. Anyway, that point. anyway, maybe he so, donated. So, so he might have donated writer. it for the Shining play that was going on, which was a Could nice little moment. That was a good. That little. was a good touch. The, yeah, the play touch. he had to write it was pretty pretty good. Uh, but the rules of it, I did not follow. I mean, I guess I understood. I guess typewriters magic, and you guys were just missing that point that clearly anyone could write anything with this typewriter. I You're think right. it's got to be that. It's got to be magic typewriter. Typewriter I of the d- gods. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we don't want to weigh down a story in rules, and some of it is just like, it's magic, don't think about it. Right. But now that you bring that up, Dom, I don't know why Arl just didn't write a something like, um, uh, okay, I wrote another story instead of trying to write a story to get them out, and it's called Super Mega Awesome Guy Superhero Man Who Kills Everyone. Like, you know, just like, and yeah. fights for them. They should have been like, he should have been like, we all live in Star Trek world, but there's no Klingons, Vulcans, or any of the other bad people. <laughs> right. That's what he should have yeah. written. He should have written uh, it, yeah. I mean, what, what, I want to see that scene where he's sitting in his, uh, you know, study by himself, and then he's like, hmm, crazy idea, and then he starts typing, and he was like, Hitler never existed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Wait, this, uh, time just changes. You know what that means, though, is that there is another cabinet somewhere where the book titles are, like, the cure for cancer, and that, like, oh. no babies will ever die, and he just never opened the books. He wrote the books. That's and the that's real horror. Another shelf. Off the read him, that's right. It's the, <laughs> it's the real horror that he's, he's the monster. I mean, if you really wanted to explain it, I guess you could have him have said a line like, you know, it's something about horror and monsters, and I wrote all these things when I was angry as a little boy, and that's stronger or something, but that's going to be a bummer well, mo- motto. Than... Going back to the rules changing, I mean, he talks about being a kid and living inside, and, and his monsters came to life when he wrote about them. So, like... Uh, maybe it was his anger, but yeah, maybe it's the anger that brings it out or something like that. I don't know. I, that's kind of a bummer model to say that like anger trumps love, but that's kind of how you could explain it a right, little bit. Right. Uh, Except where at the end, love trumps all, like it, love, like it does at the end of a movie. Love or weird gifted daughter brides yeah. trumps all. Yeah. Or Zach could have written the story the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that as well. Wait, uh, we're skipping over the main thing. Uh, We've said it a couple times. Slappy. Yeah, Slappy's great. Slappy steals the movie. Kind of nonsense. Uh, Paul, I don't know how your your movie experience was, but in our theater, it was fascinating to see when Slappy shows up before they even say his name, there was an audible gasp in the theater. What? Like, he got a, like, a shuddering horror of, I think a few people in the theater were like, Oh my God! It's that doll that freaked me out as a kid. Like they, they might not even know he was in this movie, and it triggered something with. Them. He was creepy, man. Like I mean, look, I admittedly have a, a, a definite fear of of living dolls, but he was real creepy. Like not a, like, you know, if I saw a doll in a room, I wouldn't actually be scared. But you know what I mean? Like like creepy doll movies creep me out. He was really creepy for a kid's movie. Yeah, I mean, it just, he just got kind of like a surprise cameo acknowledgement from the audience when right, he was there. Right. Yeah, there was an audible reaction. That's and it was cool. Awesome. That doesn't happen in many movies. Yeah, no, I mean, who, they, they the played it right. The last movie I went and saw that that happened was Captain America 2, when the mask falls off and it's revealed who the Winter Soldier is. Uh, this dude in front of me went, no way. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know that Bucky was, and that's actually pretty great. Wait, was that, well, that yeah, wasn't was written great. yet, right? Like, so again, it wasn't was revealed the, yet. No, it wasn't was revealed the in the comics, right? Yeah, like, I knew oh, no, no. I, everyone I in the comics out. knows that Bucky becomes Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. So yeah. the, that was, the, that was the like the Winter Soldier ago. comic was out already, right? Yeah, yeah. It had yeah, been, been, been out for like three. So comic fans oh, okay. like, yeah, we all know who it is. We know, like, as soon as Bucky, not just to get super nerdy, as soon as Bucky falls off the train in Captain America 1, I'm like, oh, yeah, Winter Soldier. Right. Like, that's 
Like he fell in the Arctic and they're gonna recover his body and turn him into a Russian cyborg thing. Like, it must be a shame just... to be to watch those movies and feel no joy like you guys do. <laughs> no, 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 no. Captain America Two is awesome. I know, I know. No, I'm just, I, no, was just saying, I was just saying it's fun to have that reaction and that's the last movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, to but be Slappy, a yeah. Slappy's pretty great in this and he's uh I think voiced by Jack Black, right? Yeah, he plays yes. the other character, which, while we're talking about Marvel films, these are two main films this year where I've done, like, kids' action comedy things where they're doing a heavy plot in that the creator and the villain are, like, psyches of the same mind. Right. Like, this is Ultron and Tony Stark in Avengers 2. Yeah. Just yeah. Same. Like, you're part of me, Papa. Like, you made me. And yeah, when he it, called him Papa, there was some weird sexual stuff going on. That freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, that was a little strange. Uh, I mean, I think he also has a line where he says, like, you made me to destroy, which is a really cool line, if you yeah. read into it, that he originally was written to destroy things. And it's not until Slappy sees R.L. Stein go for the book that right. he realizes he wants to put him back in. Right. So it almost feels like at one point Arl Stein was evil, which is a really cool well, idea. Well, he was because he was, as a kid, I mean, he wanted to scare these people with these things. And it almost feels like, and like again, I think we might be giving it maybe probably more credit than it deserves. But it felt like he was kind of there. He was like a, a person that he made to like actually enact maybe some evil vengeance upon people that picked on him. Oh, no, for sure. It's, it's the hallmarks of what I think. And this is totally just me just guessing. Hallmarks of there was a script version of this at one point where one of the writers really leaned heavy into that, right? Like really made that a crazy a plot of it, and it just got trimmed shorter and shorter until it was just like those few nuggets that survived. Right. Yeah. That first slappy scene is great, though. Oh, it's yeah. great! It's very very fun. Uh, uh, it's one of the scariest about... scenes of the movie. Yes, it is. It is. It's pretty. It's pretty scary. And then he gets in the haunted car, which is a book not many of us, our generation, was familiar with. I, didn't I completely forgot. Something. The first time I watched uh, that movie, I was like, he just which, borrowed what, a random car. But what's funny is it's just Christine the car. It's just a Stephen King. It's novel. just Christine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a few just complete, blatant, inspired by uh, books anyway. Yeah. But uh, um. Uh, the reason why we never got to round to this point, but the reason why Monster Blood, Horrorland, uh, The Haunted Mask, why they're not in this movie is because they're definitely going to do a Goosebumps sequel, right? That's yeah. exactly the theory. I mean, I will say, uh, if you watch released stills from the film, like when before the movie came out, there was like, here's all the monsters. Monst- uh, the Haunted Mask is in it. There is a shot of somewhere in the film, there is a girl with a mask on her head. He mentions it at one point, too, and I feel like maybe... He was referencing it being out there, but I'm not positive exactly. I, I think they could do a whole film on the haunted mask. Like that's a fun. Like the, if you watch that episode, it's a two parter. I think it was like the first one to come out. Yeah, that's good kids TV. That's that, that's a good two parter. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's weird. You know, I I thought that same thing too. Is somewhere someone made the call of like we can't throw all of the big heavy hitters out. This is my original point. Complained about the monsters. I'm sure it was. No, we need to save those for Goosebumps too. If this like becomes a giant thing, yeah. Well, I mean, look, and I was there with an eight-year-old next to me, and he loved the Abominable Snowman. He loved the Giant Mantis. He loved the Wolfman. You know, like they were picking the ones that were gonna be like action figures, and like kids were gonna be like, I want to read that book now. You know, like they picked those yeah. those ones. Uh, yeah, there's at least identifiable things. I think the best part is like things that barely made it through, like uh, the Barking Ghost. I think that's supposed to be the barking ghost, that little floating poodle that's in there for five seconds. Oh, right? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, that got but, cut out real But real Or bad. if you look at the poster, I would encourage you guys to look at the Goosebumps poster. It's a cool poster. On it, you have all the iconic movie monsters from the, the film. 
You have uh, the lawn gnomes. Again, it's a pretty iconic one. Hey, the boss. lawn gnomes part was great, too. Was that was fun. a great... Yeah, pretty great. It was a great like, gremlins... Like the detail. The gremlins moment where he, like... I mean, like, the gremlins moment is with oh. the blender, the uh, the Cuisinart, but oh, it's yeah. very similar to it. No, there's a part where it's cartoonishly the lawn gnomes are dragging R.L. Stein. Uh, in a weird Gulliver's Travels reference. Into the fiery, Jack Black, yeah. yeah. But they, they tie him up like as, like as a giant and are dragging him into a giant oven mm-hmm. that's on fire. And they also try to hang a kid, which is kind of dark. Yeah, yeah it, that, the, the, the law gnomes are the, probably the scariest part of the film when you think about the reality of what was going on. <laughs> they were yeah, trying to do. It was cool. They threw a knife at a child's head. They, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They tried to murder the kids, actually. And it was cool. Because it was like the first time we really interact with monsters beyond the the abominable uh, the yeti, you know, like the yeti was more like a humor moment, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. When when that happened, I was like, this is really cool because they're they're able to violently attack these things, and it made it into an actual like horror movie for a moment. For you know, like not just for kids, it was a cool like like the the stakes were real, and they were able to fight back. And it was awesome. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no they things. could, like, destroy one of these things, and it wouldn't be considered exactly. horrible. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but, but speaking of them, if you look at the iconic poster, it's a fun poster. You have the lawn gnomes. You have Slappy. You have the giant mantis. You have the werewolf. The abominable snowman. And then pumpkin guy. There's this <laughs> yeah. random pumpkin guy. The which scarecrow. Is like someone, yeah. It's, scarecrow it's like the scarecrow that walks at midnight. Would you see him in I the don't background? Know. I don't know if that is the scarecrow. Is that the scarecrow? There's it, well, one guy it, there that I'm one. pretty sure is the scarecrow. Because there is, um, I think it's called Night of the Jack-O-Lanterns. Or I can't remember. Yes, it might also be that. Where they go trick-or-treating to mm. all the houses. But that uh, I thought that's what it might be. But I, I think uh, they're both. I think they're both in there. The scarecrow is yeah. definitely in there at some point. Okay, I see what. Yeah, on the poster, I'm looking at the poster now, and that that doesn't. I don't think that's the scarecrow face. Yeah, but it's just, the scarecrow it's just super was in funny. it. They definitely had like the one with like the really long arms with like you know the stalks coming out of it and stuff like that. It was in there. So yeah, yeah. And in terms of other monsters, they show if you look at the ones that they have like just characters for, uh, the creepers are also in there. There's like a shot, a promotional still. Of a kid with like a giant dinosaur, purple dinosaur head. So like an maybe, incredible episode. Yeah, maybe maybe there are cut scenes. Maybe that's what it is. There's probably it's hard there's, to say. There's definitely got to be some cut scenes in there. For sure, for sure. But yeah, they probably called it back. And I think, I think your call is right, Dom. There was some choice on like we got to save this in case there's a franchise. But what would that franchise be? Well, I mean, when you launch this movie, you not only, you know, bring in the nostalgia factor for all the people who love the books growing up and now want to see the movie and want to take their kids to see the movie, but you also reignite the entire culture around the books because well, uh, now they're in the, uh, the front, like... The public consciousness. But public consciousness, yes. It's it, what it is. What this, let's call this movie what it is. It's a, it's a marketing vehicle for Goosebumps books. Like 100% a marketing vehicle for them. It's This our, movie was made to make money, and it made money, and it will probably make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and because of that, I think we can all say that it was a better movie than it should have been for what was essentially R.L. Stein saying, I need to sell my books again to this new generation of kids. And it's the perfect time because everybody's doing it. We're getting the parents that loved this stuff to grow up, growing up, to take their kids to, to give them the same experiences they had as a kid. It's nostalgia. It's it's buying back into what we had as youth and trying to make our kids have the same joys we had. You know, same thing yeah, that happened I mean, to our parents with GI Joes and all that shit. Yeah, and worth yeah. pointing out, it was number one at the box office that weekend. I mean, yes, it only it made twenty three million out of right. like a fifty eight million dollar budget. I'm sure, obviously, it costs more to advertise, but. Number one in the box office, at least something for them to go like, we were somewhere there. Even if it's not like a huge film, 
Right. Maybe we picked a different weekend. We could have done better, or who knows? Like, they'll at least little... they'll at least make a sequel that's like a direct to DVD and streaming and stuff like. that. Oh my god, have you thought about that? Who do they they get? Like Steve Zahn. I don't know why I'm knocking on oh, Steve, Steve Zahn. Zahn. Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. I love Steve Zahn. Zahn. He's great. <laughs> they get someone like Jack Black can't do it, or they get uh, someone else. Is that because he's in Saving Silverman? As that's well? what I was thinking. Maybe, which is an underrated film. I'll say an underrated film. Uh, yeah, I really movie. enjoyed that when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. It's got the best uh, uh, weird hand job with Arby's ranch sauce scene I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> uh, but... hey, hey, speaking of the cast, the cast in this was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Pretty good. Pretty good. It you was Holly from the super Office. Well ca- it was super well cast for a budget cast. It was awesome. For sure. Because they uh, spent all their the, money on Jack Black, so they had to get all these other people. They had The Wire. They had Workaholics. <laughs> they had they had Just saying Veep. things they were in. Yeah, no, but they, no, all those comedic actors are great. I like really like. Yeah, all the Ken Marino as yeah, the, no. the coach. Ken Marino. Yeah. Hey, Ken Marino. Okay, who thought there was going to be like the love story between the mom and 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 him? I loved that slow burn joke that he just is constantly coming in at the wrong time. Like at at first I thought it was just like, Oh, we're going to make him this quirky guy that she's going to fall in love with. But the fact that it just kept happening and they never try to like make them get together at the end of it was fantastic. Oh, Uh, well, I think, I think there's got to be at least one or two deleted scenes with Ken Marino because you don't bring Ken Marino in and just have him like as a runner. Right. Oh, for sure. I also say, I think that's a movie where I got the impression they did at least a few improv takes. The one thing that was different between, uh, the unfinished version I saw a couple months ago was a few of the jokes from the girl from Workaholics. I apologize for not remembering her name, but she's the girl from Workaholics. She had a few different jokes. They clearly swapped out a few of like, yeah, she riffed a few and had a few alternates and stuff whenever she's in the house. And they were getting a little, about, yeah. yeah, they were getting a little mumblecore in the beginning there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Ken Marino and a few other characters had a few, a few riffs. Yeah. that didn't make it or got swapped out based on the final final things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it, it, but I think everybody that was brought on, um, I, again, another guy that... See, I think they did a good job because I think there's a lot of people that we know from things that we enjoy. Uh, the guy who plays Joan on Veep uh, was great in this, that he was the cop. Oh, um, yeah, the cops. The cops were he, pretty solid. Hey, great. And the great the, the audio file uh, joke. Literally, literally solid. They're ice solid. Okay, so we can talk about this detail. I first hated it, but now I love it when I think about it in that... While the town's being attacked by all the monsters that Slappy's unleashed everyone, Slappy seems to be just hanging out in the police station waiting for people to come in. Uh-huh. Yep. Either in a cop outfit, which is totally Slappy. So either he has, you know, omnipresent teleportation powers and go anywhere he needs to be, which seems to be part of it. But maybe he's just hanging out there like, I'm going to wait for people to come in and ask for help. I'm going to kill them with my aliens, my uh-huh. random freeze aliens. Be like, you aliens wait around this corner. And uh-huh. as soon as someone pisses me off, you come Give in and freeze like them. Give me like two minutes to talk. <laughs> yeah, the second, the second time was pretty – I got to get a couple one-liners in before you freeze them, okay? So like, he, like the second time was pretty bad. The first time was funny because the cops are screwing around. And it's like very much, very much so a meta commentary on like the goosebumps – like world where like the adults are just these aloof idiots, you know. It's kind of this fun little moment where they ha- where they're like just fucking around and and all this stuff's going on crazy around them. Like I kind of like uh, a, a pedophile joke mentioned by one. Of them. Yeah, <laughs> I just said, I just said the audiophile joke. joke, which is like a ridiculous joke that kids wouldn't understand, you know. Like, and I and I love the reaction when they show up and she's like she screams at him. The, the female cop screams at him, and then he's just like his reaction to it was really good. I really enjoyed like just their moments there. I, Personally, I thought they were pretty good in it. I thought they carried it comedically. This this film could have been a lot worse. I, Tom, I think we were saying after we saw it, 
this film could have been like, oh no, we're we're stuck in Spooky Goosebumps' house, and there's Slappy and a mud monster, and what's going on here? Like, we got to find the power of hope or whatever. I mean, like, it could have been yeah. a really bad film. Yeah, that at least yeah. kind of owns the idea. There's at least one line where someone writing the film acknowledges that the books are not the best things. Zach you know, does, Stein yeah. at the end. Zach says they Teach- suck. Zach straight Zach's up. Says- yeah, Zach so. kind of dumps on him, but also R.L. Stein at the end when you know, he's now teaching the English class. He's now yeah. teaching the English class. Again, uh, forgiven for almost murdering the town. Uh, yeah, well, he's teaching the kid that he put in uh, one of those Halo <laughs> things. Uh-huh, he's yeah. like, hey, man, I'm all right. You're famous, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, his line there is fantastic. Every, yeah. every story has a beginning, middle, and a twist. Like, so that's, that's, that's a hilarious line. Like, that's, that's them. The writer's weren't too reverent for the books, which was nice. Right, it was the right level for it. Also, by the way, that sets up the weirdest cameo from R.L. Stein, who walks by uh-huh. and says hello as another teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Black is his name, because, get it, Jack Black is playing R.L. Stein. Right, right. Uh, I didn't then, even realize that. Holy and then crap. Mr. Black is the drama teacher, because obviously Jack Black would be the right. dramatic actor, I guess. Right. But for some reason... In the credits, R.L. Stein is listed as hallway player. Hallway player. Okay. <laughs> Not- but it's like it's like one of the first credits just to be like that was really R.L. Stein. <laughs> right. uh-huh. But then he's he's not Mr. Black. He's hallway player. <laughs> like an old old timey movie reference for just like an actor who's in a hallway is a hallway hey, player. We don't know what You're was like, in and it. the players for tonight. Ah, for the show. <laughs> We don't know what was in his rider, guys, okay? Totally. Look, I don't know how you guys felt about this. I had a good time with it. I think the writers did the best they could do with it. I think they got some good comedians in. I think like the people that made this movie really tried to take what was what we like, you know, it was a marketing vehicle, but like they, they tried to take it and and do the best they could with it and they they got good comedic actors. They write some there were some funny moments into it. And um I think from the meta commentary on the books themselves was really good. It has like the red herring scares, like the bird flying in his face, ridiculously out of the ground up into his face. <laughs> that's right. Like, like that's like that. You don't write that that bad, especially for how competent the movie was for most of it. You know, like there's like, admittedly it's cheesy, but um, it's competent. It's not super shitty. I mean, there were like there's definitely some plot holes and stuff like that. Like that's a moment that they were just like, let's put a ridiculous scare and there's. There's uh, bear traps in the basement, you know? And, like, I know that that's a setup for later for when they're getting chased by the things. But that's a moment that they, like, set up to be like, this is the ridiculous stuff that's in Goosebumps books all the time. And we're just going to throw it in there because we're making a movie about Goosebumps books. And I think they did a good job with that. And, uh, you know, I want to just say about the film and about this whole experience, because I've been thinking about it a lot. I've, I've read a co- We've all read a couple of uh, interviews here doing the uh, R.L. Stein uh, uh, uh celebrity tour yeah the circuit right <laughs> <laughs> yeah he takes his victory lap. Well, he did like an npr interview that was big there's been a bunch of interviews this week that have come out right. but uh basically what i'm trying to say is that like this movie was a cool reminder of how exciting it was to uh get into a goosebumps book when you were a kid like you know we pan- we pan them pretty hard on the show we- we're pretty right. uh we don't pull our punches well, we here, do it but- lovingly yeah but of all i mean you know rl stein uh, uh regardless of the quality of the books like, he wrote a bunch of books that got kids into reading and uh, inspired... I mean, I remember when I wrote... One of the first things I wrote as a kid 
was like a Goosebumps parody that was funny. <laughs> so, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it totally inspired me to do things. So, I mean, while we may bash the guy a bit on this show sometimes, he did a lot of pretty awesome stuff. Hey, he created some great characters. Uh, like monsters, not not main characters. No, yeah. Um, he created some great monsters and some. Yeah, he like look. Welcome to Horrorland is like one of like it's still a mo- like. There's some scary moments in that. I can't wait till we get to that one because there's moments in that that legitimately scared me as a kid. That one actually scared me. And for a lot of kids, he is. I mean, there a lot of them are tropey stories, but he's the first experience I ever had with like a uh, story I can think of as terms of a haunted item. I immediately think of goosebumps or like. He's your entryway into standard horror stories. Right. And then you mm-hmm. get older and you move on to Stephen King, which, by the yes. way, we haven't addressed. Running gag of hating Stephen King is great. That was pretty yes, funny. Yeah, that was funny. That was really funny. Uh, uh, he writes pulpy stories. And actually, I was reading an article or a review of the movie, and they talked about how Stephen King called, uh, I think when he was reviewing one of the Harry Potter books, he called R.L. Stein the best young adult writer of his time. He actually called on that. I hope they're. I hope they're friends. I hope they're friends. I think they are. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> uh, uh, there's, there's also a great part the, besides the uh, Stephen King feud. I like the part where they talked about how he was a fast writer. They just like blatantly call out the fact that he was able to churn those books out. Which is kind of a plot point in this movie. He it does is. sort of write a book in the course of an hour, like yeah. while running. It's a it's a meta comment, you know. Again, I think it's just like <laughs> right. kind of them being like, "Look, this guy didn't write all these books," you know. Like, it, for they're, sure, they're definitely making some. They're some, making some jabs where they can. I do. <laughs> I do want to talk about the AV Club review again. Please, please do. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. So why don't you start this, Paul? I mean, you've, you've read the full review. We were talking about it back and forth, so. Yeah, it's a pretty short review, um, and it's it's a good review of the movie. Like, his, his faults that he finds in the movie, for the most part, are really good, and I actually I really like the A.V. Club. Um, but he he's a, takes a, the movie a little too seriously, and he says the movie isn't reverent enough to the source material, which... Oh, God. He talks about how they're not... They're tropey bad books from what he remembers as a child, but I don't know if he's gone back and reread the books recently, but if they tried <laughs> to stay faithful to the books, which they did, actually, by accident, uh, they... The movie would have been a lot worse, and uh, I think what they did, the direction they took with the movie, was very smart. I know it became... he, he His big thing was that it was Jumanji with monsters from the books, I think it's the best thing they could have done with this thing because if they tried to go and write like a single story, it would have been a bomb. It would have been a oh for sure. If it even if it had just been slappy, it would have been like I don't know. Like now we're yeah. just doing a ventriloquist movie thing, right? I don't know. If you take the idea of slappy and like the base, like the base idea, and just flesh that into, I I think you totally could make a great movie out of it. May I mean look. I think any of the, the ideas, if you if you spend enough time with it, you could. But for a kids' movie, I mean, with where you can't really have the stakes. Oh yeah, you know, sure. like, you, can't you can the... only go so far. Right, exactly. I think that's the big problem. You know, I think if they're gonna do a sequel, I think we've kind of hidden it. I think you have to go into the new crazy land and say, all right, what else can R.L. Stein make with this typewriter, and not just do more books. Be like, you kind of have to night at the museum it, which I know is the worst thing in the world uh-huh. to use the comparison. But you already established the magic amulet that brings everything to life in the museum and night at the museum. Uh, that's the plot, if you're not familiar with the hit, not the hit franchise. <laughs> the hit franchise. Oh, please. There's three. Oh, my God. Uh, there's three. I forgot. Films, yeah. uh, like, then they keep going on. It's like, okay, so can we take the amulet to like other museums and bring them to life? And the next thing is like uh, he's making like 
the people of New York think that it's all a giant show so they can interact with like Teddy right. Roosevelt and stuff. You got to take it to the next level. So I think you almost I have think, to do okay. I think Arl well, Stein like write something for I'm just going to go out there on a limb trying to make maybe good things or getting a little mad with power with the, the typewriter. Maybe, maybe. It makes a superhero. Maybe I think a tie into Attack of the Mutant. Just throwing it out there. Interesting. I think you go into the Goosebumps realm. I think you get sucked into oh! their world. I think that's oh, what happens. Oh, oh. Ooh, that's a good call. Yeah, I think that's the only way you can make that. You can ramp up the scares. That's a here's, much better pitch. Here's how I would do it, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Creep show it right. Okay. You have Slappy, you have okay. Slappy, the runner. He's dropping off the books all around the world. All around the world, I guys. love it. He's like the reverse so, Santa Claus of horror, yeah. <laughs> reverse Santa Claus of horror. Boom, he drops the haunted mask in some kid's backyard. The kid opens it. Then we have a 30-minute plot revolving around the haunted mask. I dig Ooh. it. And then, boom, we're, we're at monster blood. We'll do the monster blood thing. We spend 45 minutes there. I don't know. <laughs> however long This movie's going to be three hours I, long. It's been her three-hour-long fright fest. <laughs> <laughs> At Six Flags. There's uh, a 12-minute intermission. I, I, <laughs> a 13-minute intermission. Ooh, the spooky intermission. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would like to see. Uh, I would I, I would like to see the show uh, come back. Actually, the TV I, okay. Show. I think I like my idea for the movie. I like your idea, Dom, for the TV show. Make it a Tales from the Crypt anthology show. No one Let's liked my it. idea. Chad, I'll I liked your idea over here. too. No, it's fine. It was not as good. I need to acknowledge it. Hey, we have to hate one of the ideas. <laughs> That's just the way it is. <laughs> we could, we'd become too powerful. Our ideas would take over the show if we let mm-hmm. them all be good. Uh, guys, this has been a great experience. I hope they do another Goosebumps movie at some point so we can bond over it. Well, hey, I think we can talk about the next episode, can't we? We can talk about the next episode. You know, we did the Choose Your Own Adventure last episode, which was a great time. By the way, thank you for all your feedback on that. Yeah, We're totally going to revisit that idea. I think we're going to spread around, let Dom play in the world next time. Paul or I will read the next one. We're totally going to come back to that. But the next time, we are coming back to a standard Goosebumps book. The next book... Is the ghost, ghost next, next door, door which ghost is tied into this movie, so we get to see if this is totally Hannah or not. We're gonna meet Hannah. Mm, I think it Hannah. is because I think the girl's name in the book is Hannah. That's pretty good call. So we'll see if that's the same one. And then right after that, we got Haunted Mask coming up. Get psyched. Well, I think we have to talk about a certain episode that uh, you and I watched Chad, oh. that we want to we want to talk about Oof. eventually. We watched an episode of Goosebumps that was so weird uh, that we have to do an episode on it, but we won't. We won't talk about it we'll just tease it with that yeah you're not gonna guess what it is you think you know and you can send us submissions what you think it is let's have a guessing you, game i'd love to you see have a guessing game guess. you can win one of paul's t-shirts well, i got t-shirts. Guess the episode if you can guess the episode paul will give you the t-shirt off his back if and he'll get goosebumps <laughs> from the cold if it's within five guesses i'll give you one that doesn't have a hole in it which is most of them wow that's wow. pretty good yeah you i'm poor a nice wardrobe <laughs> yeah i'm poor <laughs> Um, oh, hey, hey oh, I remember. They have holes in them. Oh, oh no, sorry, most of them have holes. I'm very poor. Oh, okay. Uh, I actually just remembered one little meta commentary that I have to drop in here. Please. It was something in one of our more recent episodes. They're inside of the Stein household, and the monsters are escaping, and they go to go out the front door. And what does R.L. Stein proclaim? But the door is locked from the outside. Oh, oh my. my. Girl yes, who cried monster. They did that. They called out that that ridiculous leap in logic because you know the re- the writers read 
at least a handful of the books and probably started with the early ones and were like, what the hell is this? I love it. What? I love it. Wow. I had, that had Good to be a call. Nod, right? That had to be a nod. It was That's amazing. Nod. I didn't even notice that. Good it call, Paul. Good catch. Guys, I think we're going to leave you there. But before we go, thank you so much for listening. If you want to help the show, you guys have been great so far. We've been rocking the iTunes, new, noteworthy, and featured in the comedy. We're in the top comedy list. We've been being like big heavy hitters because of you guys going on iTunes and giving reviews. It's meant the world to us. It's been really, really great. Uh, we should read a few of those right now. We should. I'm going to read a review here from uh, Max Scott Rax. He says, put me on. It's got the five stars at it after it, so I'm going to assume he meant put me on five stars. Uh, they mm-hmm. said to review, so I did. Oh, he meant put me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wish granted. <laughs> I love the show, and I love ska music. Sometimes I play the two simultaneously. I think that's brilliant. It's innovative. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a good genre, man. It's a good genre. Tell me what you're listening to now. I need some new ska music to listen to. Get I'm it, give out. it to us, Max. I think maybe we should bring Max on the show and have him talk about spooky ska. Put him on. <laughs> Put him well, on. Isn't, isn't there that band Mephistoscopheles or whatever? I I believe yeah. so. Or or you just invented it, and my and brain awesome. immediately accepted it as thing. Yeah, no, that's real. I, I, I'm probably mispronouncing it. I have, a, I have a review here I'd like to read. Let's hear it. By Chef mm-hmm. Aslan, and, and it says, Goosebuds is delicious, five stars. <laughs> After searching for about a week for a good comedy podcast, I came across this gem. Growing up in the 90s, I'm ashamed to admit I, that I didn't read these books. Fortunately for me, I found a podcast that is far better than the books. No offense, Mr. Stein. For a brief magical moment, I thought Dom was Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you are not great Mike Birbiglia, you're still my favorite goosebud of the trio. Whoa! Keep up the great work, guys. Well, guys, I guess I'm the fave. You're the fave. You let wow. the guy down, okay. and he still loves you. <laughs> he, I'm, I'm the fave by association. <laughs> Dom, you want to just go on NPR and just tell some quick stories? And they'll just be like, man, I don't know what it is about this guy, but I feel like we like yeah, him Yeah, I'll be like, you guys like sleepwalking. Let me tell you, tell you about sleep talking. I do it all the time. <laughs> uh, I got a great review from B17Blake. And he says, RL Time, five stars. Found this amazing podcast randomly. Then they mentioned Book It, Pizza Hut, and Running Consoles. These are some legit 90s kids. Oh. So, by the way, B17Blake has signed off. We got cred, man. Never underestimate RL Shorty after reading Stay Out of the Basement. Pure childhood fear caused my girlfriend's brother to break their toilet trying to flush (laughs) all of the house plants. (laughs) I never thought about how would you defeat plants if you're terrified. You can't bury them because they just come back up. Oh, my God, you're right. You gotta flush. You them. can like um, sub uh, sub zero tear their heads off. He's right. You could. You could. Uh, this, this is, that's a good answer. You could fatality plants. I think that's a. No, I think you've got the trump card for every monster. Actually, just sub zero. Yeah, their heads off. it's just ripping off its head. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you enjoyed this or you want to talk about the next episode, you can find us on our subreddit, which is slash r slash goosebuds. You can reach us on Twitter at GooseBudsPod. And if you want to enjoy more of our wonderful music, like the theme song, you should go check out SethErnest.net. He's the guy who's responsible for our wonderful, wonderful music. Go see Goosebumps, right? Check it out. Have a good time. Have check a good out. time. Dom, you want to, can you sing us out of this, can Dom? Can I sing us out of here? Uh, let me try. Yeah. Um, if it's late and it's spooky, don't look under your bed. It's the mm-hmm. Goosebumps movie. <laughs>
<laughs> if it's late and it's creepy and you want to get some bread, don't go in the kitchen or into the basement. That is a Goosebumps book. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Dude, that was great. I, I, was, have been, Danny Elfman I was thinking it. real hard that you were going to do good and you did it. So I'm going to I'm going to give that one to me, guys. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Guys, it's been a blast. I'll see you next time. Thank you for Bye-bye. listening. Thanks. See ya.